welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by thehockeythinktank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. With the time of year that we have right now, Jeff and I, we thought we'd break down a little playoff hockey and talk about what playoff hockey means, the difference between playoff hockey and regular season hockey, how to prepare for big tournaments, big playoff hockey games. And I am really, really excited for this one because there's nothing like playoff hockey. We got the NHL playoffs going right now, right in the thick of it. So before we get into it, Let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeffrey Lovechkio. Vex, what's going on today, my man? <clears throat> I'm doing great, bro. Had a had a great great weekend, great last week in the gym. Got a new painted in the gym. That was cool. Yeah. I saw your what's your why thing painted up there. That is unreal, dude. Yeah, bro. I, I've been, I say it to the guys every day, and I was like, well, I just trying to put up things that are like cool and like I have a an artist like a local artist come in and like he painted some of my tattoos on the wall and I was like dude I want you to paint this on there I want the boys I'm big into like that stuff like I tell the guys like always have notes around notes on the mirror in your bathrooms when you're brushing your teeth force yourself to read it every day put it on your phone home screen like stuff and like when I started when I had the 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 notes on my phone home screen and I made myself read it before every time I'd open my phone I literally hit those numbers every year in Europe like it was crazy and I think I honestly think that had a big part a big part of it so I think just having what is your why up in the gym like people are gonna be working out they're gonna look up and then maybe it'll just like real quick they'll thinking about it they'll have more intention in the gym I don't know that's my hope well so do you subscribe to the law of attraction hundred percent, man. hundred percent. So why don't you explain to our listeners the law of attraction? Thoughts are things. Thoughts have weight. Like attracts like what you put out and you mean it into the universe. You will attract the same thing. And, uh, I've always uh, ever, so I, I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but when I signed with Boston, uh, we finished, we lost, we got swept by Ferris state. That sucked. My junior year of college, I signed with Boston like a day and a half later. I was on a plane the night that I signed, like on like Monday night. I think I was on a plane Tuesday morning to Boston to get physicals. And somebody told me to read that book. And I read it cover to cover on the two plane rides from Michigan to Boston. I'm not the biggest reader in the world. <laughs> I don't read <laughs> so, words good. <laughs> I don't read too good. So, uh, especially at that time. So very obviously, uh, uh, I was super into it. And like, there's a bunch of people being like, you know, Oh, like you shouldn't have signed. You weren't ready, blah, blah. And I was like reading that and like attracts like, and what you believe in, what you constantly think, what you constantly, uh, emit, what you constantly put out. Like those are the things that are going to be brought back to you. If you're constantly thinking like, I'm going to get fired, I'm going to get fired. Oh my God, I'm going to be late. Oh my God, this, oh my God, that I'm going to get pulled over by a cop. Like you will, like all those things will happen. You're like putting out those, those energy, that energy and it'll come back to you. But on the converse and the inverse, if you do it uh, uh, positively and you believe in yourself and things comes back to you. So, um, yeah, dude, big, big fan of the law of attraction. I tell all my guys to read the secret, all of them. 
It's, it's amazing, right? It's like what you put out is what you're going to get back. So if you yeah. put out negative energy, that's what you're going to get back from the people that surround you. If you put out positive energy and you're energetic and you're positive and all that kind of stuff, like that's the stuff that's going to come back to you. I'm a big believer in that too. It's hard though. Like it is hard at some times. Like there's times where you want to, I don't want to say feel sorry for yourself, but there's times where things get tough. Life is not easy all the time. And so, um, the more, but, uh, at the end of the day, the more that you can put out positive vibes, the more you can put out positive energy, the more you can do things for others. And that's another thing that I'm big on is like, the more you do things for other people, the more those people that you do things for are going to want to do things for you. And it's just, uh, like attracts like, and, and when you're around positive people, you surround yourself with people who are not energy vampires, they're energy givers. That's what you're going to get in return. I think that's just such an important and such an awesome thing to have in your life. And, uh, you are the embodiment of that, my friend. <laughs> Easy. Uh, I've always liked to say, I, even when I was younger, I had it uh, like uh, engraved on some like chains and stuff like life gives to the giver and takes from the taker. And now I've dropped the takes from the taker and I only say life gives to the giver because I don't want to be putting out like the takes from the taker and like having that be out there. Sure. So I dropped that. But now it's just life gives to the giver. Be a giver, man. Hey, Jeff, if you give more, <laughs> are you going to be more? Correct, buddy. Correct. <laughs> Same line of thinking, man. Hey, Let's so f- before we get into playoff hockey and how amazing it is, I thought we would give another update on the top 10 most downloaded episodes from the Hockey Think Tank because all the time we're getting new listeners. All the time we're getting people that kind of get word of our podcast and, and are trying to figure out what the best ways to get into it are. So I figured for the new people that are coming in, we might as well give them another taste of what the top 10 episodes are. And I think the greatest thing about our top 10 is we've had some unbelievable people on here. We've had hockey hall of famers. We've had any current NHL players, um, just so many accomplished people. But the thing that I love about our podcast is that the most downloaded episodes aren't necessarily like the biggest names. They're the best stories. They're, they're the people that um, our listeners will get the most out of, whether it's uh, just something that somebody's had to persevere through or just an incredible perspective, just like the stories and the actual guts of the podcast. Those are the top 10 people in terms of the amount of downloads that we've had. So I figured since it's just you and I today, why don't we go through, because we've done this before a little bit, maybe a couple months ago where we talked about our top 10 podcast, we do their top 10 again. What do you think? Love it. Boom. Okay. So our number 10, episode 86, is Bob Mancini times two. So Bob Mancini is an ADM director with USA Hockey who we've had some unbelievable, candid, honest conversations with. Because when it comes to Hockey Canada, when it comes to USA Hockey, everybody has an opinion. Things are doing well, but more specifically, things that they are not doing so well at. So just an awesome conversation. What were your thoughts on that conversation with, uh, and you love the guy, Bob Mancini. He was the second one that we had with him. Yeah, I mean, I remember the first one and the second one with Bob because I 
remember I was talking about Uncle Tim a lot on the first. <laughs> I remember where I was when we did that podcast, and and that was when I fell in love with Bob too, uh, or I fell in love with him at the at the uh, USA Hockey Level One that I had to do a few years ago, and then he came on. But just a great guy. Um, I love talking to Bob. But Bob came to St. Louis. We had a coffee. Spoke to him at that 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 thing I just talked about. He's been on the podcast a couple times. Doesn't matter when, where, what I'm talking to with Bob. Like. I just love his perspective. He's got a ton of wisdom in the game of hockey. Um, so I, I'm always going to be a fan whenever he's on, that's for sure. Yeah, so that was our top 10, number 10 episode with Bob Mancini. Uh, number 9, episode 92, was when you and I talked about the forecheck. So we broke down the forecheck, different systems, different habits that are really essential when it comes to being successful on the forecheck. And I think that's one of the things in the feedback that we've gotten from a ton of different people. And we're going to do this again in the podcast here today, just talking some shop, talking some hockey and talking about things that are important. And uh, the forecheck is is one that's obviously very important in hockey if you want to be successful as a team. So that was a fun one for us. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, people seem to like... Uh like when you and I just, just talk about stuff. I don't know why. I mean, I know why they like listening it's to you. It's all you. It's the talent. <laughs> no, man. You got the coaching brain. I just tell them what the meat thought while I was playing. So uh, I guess it works. Um, but, yeah, no, that was fun. And, I mean, in all honesty, like all those little things that, that you don't learn until you get to the next level. And I don't mean the next level pro or the next level of college. Like when you're in squirt, you, you don't really learn stuff in peewees till you get there when you're a peewee you're going to learn more stuff at bantams and every year you go up more and we're just both in a position that we played pretty high levels of hockey and uh so we know like we, we learned a ton of the little tricks the little things to look for and then we have on people way smarter than us uh, hockey iq wise like rob shrimp who's talking about always staring at toe apps on the power play like whoa that just blew my mind and made me think even deeper so i think you know going in on that four check i think we probably gave out a lot of information that helped a lot of coaches players and then parents wanting to you know help teach their kids uh you know the little tricks with the four check back check paycheck <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just the ins and outs of the game man i mean when you can and, and, and I actually, I should say suffer. I suffer from this when I watch NHL hockey right now. We're in the midst of the playoffs right now. Day two, we're, we're recording this on a Sunday. I can't watch a hockey game like a fan anymore. It's impossible. With yeah, the no amount chance. that I've coached and the amount that I've just studied the game, it's, it's very, very hard to just watch it objectively as a fan and be like, oh, that stuff is kind of cool. You're always looking at little intricacies that can make it better as a coach. And you look at different teams and what they're doing and things like that, and those are the things that when the two of us talk about just straight up puck – um, it's very, very fun to do that. And the listeners have got a lot from it. So, uh, episode 92 of the four check, that is number nine, number eight, episode 94 with the Stanimal. Stanislav. Oh, wow. Is that high already? Stiopkin already episode 94 with Stan. So Stan Stiopkin, uh, for the people that have listened to our podcast that are fans have listened for a while, they know the story about my youth hockey coach straight off the boat from Russia, a straight disciple from Anatoly Tarasov, who was the coach of the Russian national team, the red army team when they were just blowing through. And in like the late seventies, early seventies, when they were just the, the absolute best team in the world. So we talked about my youth hockey upbringing, how amazing it was, the different things that Stan did with us 
as a group, like playing without a goalie and beating the St. Louis Junior Blues, the team that Jeffrey Lavecchia was on uh, all the way coming up. Um, but just awesome, awesome stuff. When it comes to hockey development, Stan was the best. And it was a very, very fun episode for us. Um, we had, I think it was 11 players on our team that played either Division One or Division Three or OHL hockey. Just an amazing year. So that was a fun one for us. What did you think about that one, Vex? Yeah, I mean, I think that anybody that listened to us from the start or has gone back and listened to all of them, uh, Stan comes up a whole lot in the beginning. And that's why we had so many people reaching out to us when we started doing this. Probably for the first get six Stan months, on like, the podcast. Get yeah, Stan have on, to get, get Stan him. On. Yeah. So we finally got him on. And obviously a bunch of people that probably never listened to those earlier ones maybe didn't even know that about him. So that that's pretty cool that it, that it's already blown up that big. Yeah, yeah. It's just the, the new progressive, I don't even say progressive, but just it's funny that like the stuff that we learned and I learned in the early 2000s when hockey was kind of barbaric, I, and barbaric's not the right word, but archaic and, you know, dump pucks in, blah, 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 blah. Like all the stuff that he was talking to us about at that time are now the things that are coming out that are successful about developing great hockey players and it was just a really enlightening episode i was able to live it which was incredible and getting stan on the podcast to talk about just his upbringing in russia and what he learned under tarasov who is arguably the greatest coach of all time at any level uh it was just really really cool so that was a fun one so that was number eight number seven you will get a kick out of this one. You will love this one. He is a Western Michigan alumni. He is the current associate head coach of the Western Michigan Broncos, Pat Fershweiler, former assistant coach with the Detroit Red Wings, now associate head coach working under Andy Murray at Western Michigan, Pat Fershweiler. So that was an awesome one. He's a beauty. He, like, that does not, I mean, you know, Toph and I get off every call or every video chat that we do with these and Toph and I'll be like, wow, like that was a really good episode. Like almost every single episode we got off first. She's were like, that's going to be a really good episode. Like we just yeah. knew when we got off the phone that, I mean, he talked about a lot of cool stuff, building up a program, the things he had to do. He's extremely passionate. He's articulate, funny dude. Like, didn't he roast you right off the start too? Like, didn't he roast you like one second in? Wasn't that Percy? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so I loved it right too. So, um, yeah, yeah. That was a really good episode. Yeah, and uh, for anybody that's looking for an insight into the college hockey process, we talk about the things that are necessary to be able to play high-level hockey, specifically the recruiting process when it comes to college. But it was just an honest conversation because I feel like a lot of times, a lot of the conversations that are had in youth hockey is just a lot of fluff, a lot of just kind of like BS fluff stuff. And we talked about Mm -hmm. the actual process, like what college hockey coaches, and he coached with the Detroit Red Wings too. And he said some awesome stories about like Pavel Datsuk being able to coach him and what his process was like and how hard he worked. And just the whole youth hockey process right now, there's a lot of fluff. There's a lot of just crap being spewed out here, there, and everywhere. And this was just a very honest conversation about the process. And it was really, really fun to get Fersh on there. And uh, very well spoken. He's a Western Michigan Bronco, which we won't hold against him. It's okay. Um, But just a fun conversation to have with him. So that was a really, really good one. So that was episode number seven. Number six. 
Bob Mancini number one. Bob oh, Mancini's on twice. I knew it would be on there. <laughs> I told you. I, like, I really remember that first one, so I knew it would be on there. Yeah, so it was episode 26, Bob Mancini. And this was the first one when, honestly, like you and I, we wanted to have Bob on because you had heard him talk at a coaching clinic, and you were like, this guy's really, really good. So we were like, we have to have him on to talk about USA Hockey, and we legit grilled him. We grilled him because there's a lot of things that happen within USA Hockey that we don't agree with, that other people don't agree with, and we brought it up to him like no holds barred, and he answered every question honestly and pathetically, and we were really, really enthused about that entire conversation, and there's still things that I don't love about some of the things that USA Hockey does, but he provides an awesome perspective about it. Episode 26. And we have reached out to uncle Tim, which is one of the most downloaded episodes. It didn't quite crack our top 10, but he has pretty much an exact opposite opinion as the USA hockey guys (laughs) and Bob and Bob Mancini. So we have talked to uncle Tim. We have talked to Bob Mancini and we are going to do an episode at some point with the two of them on there. And I, we've said this before on, uh, I can't remember what episode it was, but you and I had a conversation. This is one of the things that I, I think is really good about U.S. hockey is they want to learn. They want to get an opinion of people who have a say, who have an influence in the youth hockey game right now. And so they reached out to Jeff and I, all the ADM guys and girls, and they said, hey, look, we want to learn. We want to know what's going on. So Jeff and I got on a Zoom call with, it was probably about 15, 20 USA hockey people, and we just talked hockey. And it was great because they wanted to learn. They wanted to get our opinion. They wanted to see what was going on. And uh, in that conversation, it was really funny because a couple of the other ADM people were like, okay, we love your podcast. We have to have Bob and we have to have uncle Tim on the same episode and they got to go. Yeah. At it. <laughs> yeah, first, don't you remember at first they were like, Hey, we got to ask and we won't tell anyone is uncle Tim a real person. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, yeah, he's, he's, uncle Tim. <laughs> he's a real person. <laughs> yeah. We need, we need to get like, uh, and we need to, I got a buddy who's doing like, um, videography stuff for like my, my, uh, train heroic, uh, work, the, the app work. And we should get like the, do you, did you ever watch those claymation celebrity death match? Oh my things? God. Could have yes. Like a Bob Mancini and uncle Tim. And they just start like going at it. Like <laughs> USA hockey ADM versus uncle Tim. I love it. The funny thing is, is I bet you they have more in common than people would think just as like the entire world. Like we all have more in common, but everybody just likes to shout at each other and give their opinion and stuff. So I think they're both very good hockey people. And I both, I think they both would have actually similar things to talk about and similar opinions, but just the way that our world is, it's interesting. But uh, yeah, we're going to have to do that at some point. You know, uh, when I don't know if it was Christmas or summertime or Thanksgiving. It was pro- uh, it was after I stopped playing. <laughs> Those are very different things. I don't know totally if it was like the protected. winter no, or the well, summer. Let me finish, bro. <laughs> let me finish. All right. Could have been one of the 365 days in a year. I don't remember. Uh, in a book. No, but um, it was me, you, Cody Barra, who, our cousin, who we've also had on the podcast, and Uncle Tim. And I think Max was probably in there too, your bro, who's also so it's basically everyone who's ever been on our podcast from our family, our dads, and we're just all talking about like hockey and all that stuff. Sorry, and uh, we were all saying the same thing, but in a different way. And then <laughs> you were listening to like the four of us or whatever, and you were like, "Guys, 
you were literally all saying the same thing, just like sentence structure is different. And shouting at each other. And yelling at each other. Like if you guys would just calm down and actually open your ears, you all want the same thing and you're all saying the same thing. So uh, I think that's really interesting. And I think that's probably something that goes on a lot more in youth hockey than we do think. Yeah. Oh, totally. For sure. And that's the one thing I was actually thinking about this today. And I was talking to, I was uh, hanging out with uh, a friend of mine. His name's Ryan Smart. He's youth hockey coach. Awesome. Awesome guy. And, And it's like, there's a lot of good people in hockey. And it's so weird how all these good people can just like rail against each other. We're all quote unquote fighting for the same things. We're all looking to do the right things and we want to, promote our kids and we want to make them better and everything. Just people have a different opinion on how to do that. And if we just stop shouting at each other and we work together and that's another thing, you know, Chris Collins, like Chris is a friend of mine and, and we've worked together and coached together. And this is the thing we always used to talk about is like, why does everybody just try and screw each other? If you just work together, number one, it would be best for the kids. And number two, it just makes life a lot more or a lot less stressful for the adults too. It's just, everybody's just in this like competition to make sure they have the best teams and the highest ranked teams and all this kind of stuff. At the end of the day, why don't you just work together with people and put kids in the best situations where they can succeed. And I don't know, maybe it's a money thing. Maybe it's, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's disheartening. It's just dumb, but people should just work together and stop trying to screw each other. I got a ring too, Toph, and it says love, all right? E-L-E, everybody love everybody. <laughs> Will Ferrell, let's go. Did you say you had a ring? It's from, it's from Semi-Pro also. Oh, uh, is a it a circle? Too. It says love. A circle of trust. <laughs> no, it's not a circle. It's in my plums. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. If anybody knows what that's from, you know, friends. <laughs> Smarty, that was another thing we were talking about. He was like, you guys, with your movie quotes, I honestly don't know what the movie quotes are, but I find myself laughing at them because you guys think (laughs) they're so funny. (laughs) Well, if anyone knows any of the quotes we throw out, always funny. So they definitely like us. So those are some of the people. Yeah, respect. Respect to my plums. Oh, wow. L-E-G. Good for you. Yeah. Okay, anyway, let's get going here. Okay, because we got to talk about some playoff stuff. So episode number five. The top five podcast most downloaded episodes, episode 46 with Brian Kane of Prodigy Hockey, Prodigy, Prodigy-Hockey.com. This was an incredible conversation on youth development. So what we did for this one is I went onto YouTube and there was this conversation between David Epstein and Malcolm Gladwell, who are two of the biggest researchers in terms of like human development and success. And I'm sure everybody has read their books, but they're, you know, at the top of their field. If you haven't read David Epstein or Malcolm Gladwell's books, you should. And so they had this conversation uh, together where Malcolm Gladwell in one of his books, Outliers, talks about the 10,000 hour rule, where if you put 10,000 hours and you put all this deliberate work into something, you are going to be a master at whatever it is that you want to be a master at. And David Epstein with his research says, no, that's not actually the case. It's more about a, uh, a big breadth and depth of things. So you shouldn't just focus on one thing the whole time. You should focus on a lot of different things, get a palette. So it's more like kind of like the sports specialization versus getting 
multiple sports was kind of like the crux of what we talked about. And Kaner, Kaner is one of the smartest hockey people that I know. And he does a lot of research into these kinds of things. He's incredible at uh, coming up with amazing things about this. And so this was just an awesome episode going through the debate between Gladwell and Epstein and also tying in Kaner, one of the smartest hockey guys and talking about youth hockey. Such an awesome episode. What did you, what were your thoughts? hundred percent. I remember coming off the, that phone call and I had never um, talked to him before. I don't even know if I, I, I had known who he was or followed him on Twitter or anything. And then I was like, holy cow, that guy is smart. I don't think I said cow, but I'll keep it PG tonight. I, I, I <laughs> was like, yeah, I was like, it's poop again. One of those flaming bats. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to get another one in. Call the fire department. This one's out of control. Don't put it out with your butt. And <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me what to do, devil woman. <laughs> so off topic. Uh, yeah, dude, he's really smart. Like, wow. I remember like, like being like, man. And then I started following him on Twitter, and I love all the stuff he puts on Twitter. I was like, I'm getting so much smarter for free. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah so, he's a, he's a genius. So one of the cool things, so actually, so we're it's Sunday night, and we are recording this right now. And tomorrow we're gonna actually have a, a hockey conversation. We're gonna completely nerd out with Brandon Arado, another one of the most popular podcasts that we've had. Brian Kane, and then actually we're bringing in Patrick O'Sullivan into our little group here to talk some hockey. I'm going to go Zoom. Yeah, like he's an awesome, awesome hockey guy. I so love that podcast that we we had with him just a couple weeks ago, and the feedback that we got from his podcast just incredible. I mean, like the story, his story, and what he had to persevere through to get to where he is. I mean heartbreaking but also heartwarming as well because the the perseverance and adversity and and just what he was able to accomplish is amazing but he's also an incredible hockey person the hockey sense and what he's doing in the hockey world now to provide some knowledge and and expertise to the players coming up just awesome so i am really looking forward to that tomorrow and it's always great to geek out about hockey because like again i've said this many times in the podcast i love being the dumbest guy in the room and I love just being able to learn from people that are way smarter than I am. And those three guys study the game and know it so, so well. So it's just going to be a lot of fun. But uh, Brian Kane, yeah, episode 46, top five, was an unbelievable episode. Uh, number four, one of my favorites, episode 63, Martin St. Louis. So my hero growing up, I wore number 26 in, in college. The fact that I was and we were able to interview my hockey hero, somebody that just paved the way for a lot of players. I'm five foot four. He's five foot who knows, but probably not that far off. But just my one of my heroes growing up, being able to talk about his childhood, what what is important to him in the hockey process. He's also a hockey dad. You know, his his son plays for the national team development program. Um, just to, just a incredible incredible conversation the fact that we were able to we were able to interview him was incredible so um what were your thoughts on that one obviously it's marty st louis like i was jacked up like unbelievable i mean i i can't even believe he came on our podcast like it was pretty sick um i also remember thinking like we didn't get him to really bite and engage and, and get down until the lat, the later half of the podcast. About halfway through. I, yeah. Yeah. And then I feel like he kind of was like listening to us talk and he's like, 
okay, either these guys played or like they actually know what they're talking about. And then it was like, <laughs> he was, he was like in, like he was excited to be talking to us. And yeah, the second half of that podcast, I thought was awesome. And, uh, you know, it got some really good insight and he said one of the best things that anyone's said on this podcast. And I know it's like the favorite thing you've heard on it. And, uh, I told it to my guys in the gym last week, actually, I say it probably every week to guys. So, um, you know, I, th- I think that was really cool. What he said, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. So it? yeah. So he basically verbatim, he, so Marty St. Louis says, I wasn't the fastest. I didn't have the hardest shot. You know, I wasn't the most talented, but I was the best player that I knew at getting better. And it just goes to show you, I mean, here's a guy, smaller player had a great college career but had to fight his way through minor hockey or sorry minor league hockey to get up to the NHL and once he finally got that opportunity he finally got somebody to believe in him hall of fame career and so it was all about I was the best at getting better and we talk about it all the time and it's something that I talk about as a former college coach that's coaching in the youth hockey game today it's not about the bells and whistles it's about development. It's about getting better. And college hockey, pro hockey, it's, it's I don't want to say it's cutthroat because it's not cutthroat, but it's one of those things where it's like, hey, if you're a talented player, but you don't get any better, you're not going to get anywhere because people aren't going to take you. I don't care if you're committed. I don't care if you're drafted. It doesn't matter. If you're, gonna, if you're not going to help my team win, you're not going to be a part of our program. That's just the way of the world when you get to the higher levels of hockey. So Martin St. Louis, for him, you know, he he was talented and he had great careers all the way coming up and he came up at a time when size was a big factor. And But he just didn't care and he just kept getting better and worked harder and harder and harder. And, and everybody who's listening to this podcast right now knows about like his off ice workouts and how big his legs are and just like his drive and, and all of that. And he just was the like he said he, I was the best at getting better and that's what allowed him to get to where he was he wasn't deterred when he was told no he wasn't deterred when he was cut or sent down or whatever he just kept getting better and that is such an important and unbelievable lesson that every parent, every kid listening to this podcast, go back and listen to episode 63 with Martin St. Louis and listen to a Hall of Famer talk about what was important to him and why he became an NHL Hall of Famer. And for me, it was awesome because he was my hero as well. I wore number 26 in college and we got to talk to him and uh, it is funny, like a lot of the people that we talk to, especially the higher level people, even the guys that we know, they're used to like the, the prototypical just reporter type conversations. And the way that we like to have our podcasts and the way that we like to have our talks with these guys is like, we just like to talk hockey and we just like to shoot the breeze and just, just talk like three people. And that's, it's funny. So for everybody listening, one of the things that we do with everybody at the beginning of the podcast is like, Hey, we don't want this to be an interview. We, at the end, we just want this to be three people, whether it's a guy or a girl that we have on the pocket, we just want to be three hockey people talking hockey at the end of the day and I think that's why our podcast has been so successful and why people enjoy listening to it is because we just talk hockey and we're authentic and and we get our guests to to be able to open up and Marty St. Louis was the perfect example of that unbelievable legend legend absolute legend very very humbled that he came on yes a hundred percent uh, okay, I just gushed enough about that. <laughs> so let's move on to the next one. So our top three. So number three, Vex, get your Kleenex out. 
number three, episode 93, Tyler Parks. Unreal that he's number three. Uh, like, what, what? how many episodes are we on now? What's this uh, one? 100 and, I don't know, 18, 20? 19, 20, something okay. like that, yeah. And wasn't he like, episode? he was episode, what'd you say, 93? 93. And already he's in the top 10. Like that is how insane his story is. Like even all the other pro guys in the gym that work out with him. Like I told them, I'm like, some of them listen to it. Some of them, I'm like, guys, I'm not kidding you. Like, I know we all know Parksy. We all know his story. I've worked with him for every day in the summer for however many years, like to hear it come from him was so powerful, like literally so powerful and so cool. And I've had so many people that have never met him that are like, wow, I listened to that Parks episode and, like, I can do anything. If that guy could do that, what he's done, like, I can do anything. So, very cool episode. Right. So, for those who have not listened to the episode yet that are just coming on, so Tyler Parks is a goaltender who was legitimately playing JV high school hockey at 17 years old, and he is now an AHL goaltender. (laughs) Coming up from a single mother, his story, I mean – Tears, right? I'm, Tears coming from I mean, that there was, there was like, no, there was like dead in the room where I was at the time. There was, those weren't tears. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Staring at me. Yeah. Yeah, man. It was powerful. I mean, just, I mean, that's, that's what our, I feel like he is the epitome of what our podcast is about. It's the journey. It's the process to fulfilling your potential. And, that was just a special, special story, a special, special guy. And to hear it coming from him firsthand, coming from a 17-year-old playing JV high school hockey in St. Louis, Missouri, to playing games as in starting AHL goaltender this year, it, 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 was, it was, I mean, it tugged at the heartstrings. And it's a great learning lesson for any kid that aspires to great things and it's you know he's talented yes you you have to have talent to be able to achieve that level of playing hockey but but not really I mean I shouldn't say not really but I mean he maximized that little talent or kind of little talent that he had I mean it's hard to put into words I'm like I'm struggling to, to talk about it right now it was that amazing yeah, and he just he keeps getting better and better, which is like even cooler. Like he's never settled. He's he's never satisfied. Like every summer the guys will come in the gym and like, you know, they'll come off the ice and I'll talk to them about their skate and they're like, "Man, Parks he just keeps getting better." Like when he first started with me, I literally could score like every shot on him. I mean, I was pretty sick, <laughs> but I could pick Parksy apart. Hopefully he never listens to this episode, but I can pick Parksy apart. And the later, later stages of my career is getting harder and harder. And the boys are like, literally now, like they'll, they'll be like, dude, we literally, he saved every single shot in the last 20 minutes of the skate. So guy just keeps putting in the work and it is so cool. Yeah. Awesome stuff. So that was number three, uh, our top two. So our second most downloaded episode, episode 80, was when you and I talked about the power play and the penalty kill. So that was actually number one for quite a bit. And uh, it was just the two of us shooting the breeze about the habits, the importance, the structure of the power play and the penalty kill. And obviously special teams are a huge part of the game today. It's very hard to score five on five 
the way that defensive structures are, how good goalies are now. And so we just were able to talk some hockey and, and talk some power play and penalty kill. And that was a fun one. It's always fun when yeah. I could just talk hockey. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I get way smarter because I get to listen not only from like a – I come from like a player's brain and you come – I think – I mean, you obviously were sick, but like you were recently a coach and I feel like you come at it from both player and even more from the coaching side. So I learned a lot whenever you and I just do the podcast together and just like talk about things and just like literally just – talk out loud into these weird microphone headsets and uh, people listen to it. Uh, but yeah, like I love those episodes when we do those things and uh, they just get me to, to think a lot. And I think out a lot of value to anyone listening that, that maybe hasn't played those higher levels, like I said earlier, and maybe doesn't know those little tiny details to look for. Cause it's all in the details. The higher you go up, everything is details. So like at the levels you coached and the levels I both of us play, you have to focus on the details. When you're younger, it's not as much about the details. So if you learn some of those, it's, it's going to help you a bit. Absolutely. That was a fun one for sure. And then our number one most downloaded episode. Can you guess? No. I don't know who it <laughs> No. Uh, so we got a ton of awesome feedback on it, and it was Tommy Niemela, the... One of the coaches oh, yeah. from the Finnish national team, and I had met him at Ryan Hardy's camp uh, a couple years ago, and I just remember talking hockey with him and just being in awe, just talking about the Finland system and what they do and what they try to accomplish and their their process of going about player development. It was just really, really fun to be able to talk to him then and then getting the chance to speak to him on our podcast. I mean, we got a lot of really good feedback uh, from Tommy and uh, that was just a really enlightening episode talking about hockey development. So uh, now that you know what it is, thoughts? Oh, that was an unreal one. And I got so much feedback on that one from tons of people I don't know in the hockey world and tons of people I do know, um, and especially smart hockey people. Um, so that was that was really cool. That one got a ton of good feedback. That was that was a fun one. Yeah, for sure. And it's really cool too because you know as we look at the numbers and as we look at the amount of downloads that we get per episode, uh, it, it seems like some of the later episodes that we're doing now are getting the most downloads, which is cool because we're getting some new listeners and, and we're growing. And even in this time of COVID, when there's not a ton of people in cars that are driving to the rinks and stuff, it's just very, very humbling to see that. And uh, Tommy's episode, episode 98, uh, go ahead and listen to that. Uh, we probably got a probably the most feedback from a positive standpoint from that one. Um, but another episode that I do want to talk about, and it's the one we did last week with my little brother, Max, who has disabilities and is very passionate about hockey. And we had the chance to speak to him last week about his journey, about coaching, about his upbringing and the bullying that he went through as somebody that had disabilities. Um, it's probably in the top three in terms of, again, it was last week, so I don't know where it's going to end up in terms of the amounts of downloads, but in terms of the people that have emailed me or direct messaged me from that episode, probably the most that I've ever gotten. And I am just emotional thinking about it 
and so happy that we were able to do that with Max Man. Yeah, that was uh, that was my favorite episode we've ever done. Honestly, I'm, I mean, for so many reasons, obviously personal, but uh, I was just super proud of Max. I thought he absolutely slayed, um, and I definitely got some good feedback on that one also um, about how cool Max is. <laughs> so, Max, I know you're listening to this. People think you're cool, bro. Absolutely. So it was funny. So he he and my parents actually visited me last week. So they got here on Saturday night and the podcast came out on Monday. And so he was very nervous about it, very nervous about how he was going to be perceived and how it was going to go down. And I just kept showing him texts and reading him texts from people, you know, NHL guys and and uh, pro other pro hockey guys and college people just texted me like, wow, what a powerful episode. And he was very, very appreciative of it. And uh, when, when you have people in your life who have disabilities and they can get wins. And what I mean by wins is just anything that can make them feel better about themselves in this society that, that kind of craps on people who are different and people that have disabilities. I mean, it's just awesome. And to see the smile on his face, because he is, he's a very passionate hockey person. He loves the game. He loves to have an effect on the people that he coaches, everybody that he coaches between the kids and the parents of the kids that he coaches. I mean, they just absolutely love him. And uh, to, to, to see his smile every time I read a positive um, message that people gave me that made it all worth it. And I had imagined at the end of the day, because we do this every couple of months where we talk about our top 10 episodes. I really think that that one is going to be up there and, uh, I'm very, very happy and very happy for him. The way that he, he just killed it, man. He just killed it on that episode. Yeah. He slayed, he slayed and taught me some stuff. And, uh, yeah, that was that was a great episode. I would love anyone who's in the locker room setting as a player, especially, uh, to listen to that one because uh it'll make you think. Yeah, and, and and to be honest, like our podcast and we've been very open that we would love this podcast to be the go to podcast for parents and kids to listen to this on their way to the rink. Uh and and this is if there was ever an episode to listen between uh, a father or a mother and their kid, this is the one. This is absolutely the one because it's the mo- the one that's most relevant. It's the mo- it's the one that provides the most just like real talk in in the the pros and cons of just how you treat people and and just my little brother Max who has disabilities that just. I love him. Just, just listen to the damn episode. <laughs> like that's all he can really say. It was just so powerful, and and uh, I just I'm very very proud of my little brother for just everything that happened last week. Yeah, totally savage. All right, so with that, so that was our top ten episodes. We've we've gone quite a bit <laughs> talking about them. So let's talk some playoff hockey. Um, playoff hockey. There's nothing like it, right? I mean, it's, there's, it's not even hockey. Like it's a different game. Completely savages. And so, completely. so what we wanted to talk about here today and, and I'll kind of lead us through it is I'll, I can talk a little bit to the coaching side of, 
of playoff hockey, whether it's pro hockey, college hockey, but even when you get to youth hockey and you get into a tournament and games start to get really important and the games, there's just more on the line. It's just different because the youth hockey season, the college hockey season, the pro hockey season, they're, they're very, very long. So there are times where it can seem like it's monotonous. There's times where it can seem like it's just kind of you're going through the motions. And then once you get to a time where the games really, really matter, it's just it's a different brand of game. And so to be able to talk to it from a player's perspective, to be able to talk to it from a coach's perspective, I think it can be really, really powerful. So now we are in the first, I don't even know if you call it the first round, but the playing round <laughs> of the NHL playoffs. Um, everybody's really, really excited about what's going on right now. So we just wanted to give you a window into the difference between regular season hockey and playoff hockey and how to succeed when the games become extremely, extremely important. So I'll ask you first, you played pro hockey for a long time. Like how much of a difference is there between a regular season and a playoffs when it comes to professional hockey? I mean, it's, it's completely different. Like complete, everyone loves hockey. Obviously everyone loves hockey, but especially as you get older, like it is a job <clears throat> and you're constantly thinking about like, what gets you paid? You know, any sport is like that. Like it's a job. Um, and then when playoffs come around, it's like, you don't really care about money. You just want to win. Like it's all about winning it. I mean, it always is. I don't want anyone to like get, get that. But like playoffs are about pride. They're about winning. They're about the boys coming together or women. Like, it's like, all in everyone's all in everyone wants to because it is especially when you're in pro and I'm, the nhl even more it is hard to win it is hard to win a game in playoffs it is hard to win a series it is hard to win multiple series it is impossible to win the stanley cup so like it is do or die everything's on the line no matter what you're going to do anything you can to win that game because that's going to get you one step closer to that trophy that is just ever elusive and you know is the thing that every child wants to win and only a very 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 fraction of a small percentage ever get to attain so uh yeah man it's it's so much fun and it's so tense and every play means something and but you also got to have a short memory like it's it is just oh it's unbelievable yeah the one thing that i love about playoff hockey too is that there's always like one or two players who are not the star players that become star players because they yeah. elevate their game in the playoffs to make a difference in the series and it's usually like a fifth defenseman or a third line center or a fourth line winger that just elevates their game to help their team win a championship and when you talk about even the nhl pro hockey playoffs i mean it's such a grind i mean 16 wins over two months and uh with with just how different the game is and how physical it is you need everybody you can win games in the regular season with your stars running the show you can't win playoff series without guys on your bottom two lines or your bottom pair really contributing sacrificing right and that's why depth is so important in playoffs 
I mean, and forget about even sacrificing. I mean, obviously that's important, but I think even more important in the playoffs, you see your star guys sacrificing. You look at Ovechkin a couple of years ago, blocking shots and taking hits to make plays and, and playing the way that he does. But then you look at, you know, like a Brooks Orpik and him making unreal offensive plays. You just need, you need everybody to buy in what you're doing. And that's what I love about the playoffs is that like, it's almost like, your star players have to give a little bit more into playing the defensive game and sacrificing. And then you need your bottom line players to produce offensively and do things that aren't necessarily a part of their role as well. And every team that's ever won a championship, you can probably talk about two or three players, whether it's the stars doing the sacrifice stuff or the bottom line players doing the offensive stuff it's a storyline that's written every year. Yeah. It's, it's always there like death and taxes. <laughs> so let me ask you this as, as somebody that's played a lot of pro hockey playoffs, um, is there a certain way or is there a different way that you prepare when the games are that much more important or do you prepare like it's any other game? When I was younger, like juniors, college, first couple of years pro, I would like think I had to change my game <clears throat> and like, Oh, I got to play safer. Oh, I got to dump everything. I got to just dump and chase and go and get it. But as I became more, I got more games under my belt. I got more savvy. You think the game more, the older you get, I started to realize that like, that's what most guys do. If you just keep doing what makes you successful all the time with like, obviously a little bit more attention to detail on the blue lines, like you, you still hold on to the puck. A lot of guys are nervous in playoffs. Like they want to get rid. They want act on the stick, off the stick. Like you start to hang on to it a little bit more, which you know most people tell me not to do. But uh, you know, I, I, I started to kind of change the way the, the thinking I had, and uh, that started to serve me a lot better towards the end of my career and uh, play, playing a lot better in playoffs. Uh, towards the end, I also had a different role in Europe in playoffs than I did in college hockey and in the American League, the in, in the coast for the two years I played playoffs in those two leagues. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, one mis- you got to have a short memory, and then one mis- one stupid mistake can like really hope you. You got to have a short memory, but you also really don't want to make those like really egregious errors because it's a game of mistakes and whoever's going to be able to capitalize on the other team's mistakes. So if you can like get out those like really stupid bonehead ones that are unforced, unnecessary, uh, it's going to help your team quite a bit. So how do you rectify that? Because I like I'm hearing two different things. So I'm hearing you have to play your game. But I'm also hearing you have to minimize your mistakes, huh. which at it's times hard. is like not that those two don't coincide sometimes yeah. with what you're talking about, especially if you're an offensive player. So as as a player in the higher levels or even a youth hockey player, when when the stakes get a little bit higher and you feel a little bit more pressure, how do you rectify the two of those? I think you just have to really dial in and focus on your risk assessment. Like I'd always think like, and obviously these are very quick decisions going through your head. It's way more the game before the game, like thinking if I get in this situation, what am I going to do? Um, just like, when is it okay? And what time of the game is it? And where are you on the ice taking the risks? 
uh, quote unquote risks for me a lot riskier obviously than like guys who have sick hands and stuff like that but like like is it okay for me to take this risk right now what's the score are we up a goal are we down a goal do we need to press do we not need to press what game in the series is it are we at home are we away like all these things that go through your head like super fast and it's like okay like boom i should i should quote unquote risk this or i should really play it safe and put it here and then also on top of that like playing it safe instead of like just like dumping it to dump it or like yeah get off my stick i don't want to make a mistake like like we always talk about like chipping it to better areas you know like puck possession playoffs i think is massive because that just wears a team down when they're in the d zone so if you can like get in another team's zone and like be heavy on them that's not fun to play against and that ruins you mentally like on the bench the bench is deflated if the puck's in your d zone all the time so like that kind of is mental warfare so i don't know there's like a lot of tricks you just don't really learn until you played in more and more games both regular season and playoffs right well there's a huge difference too between playing like a one game tournament versus playing a series. Oh yeah. hundred percent. So when you talk about a, a playoff series and you can really wear a team down, really wear a team down. So like what the St. Louis blues did last year in terms of getting the puck in and just being physical on the other team's D you can see it where the other teams D don't want to go back and retrieve pucks anymore. And so in a seven game series, those, those like times where you're physical and the physicality that you use can really wear a team down and really wear a team's psyche down too. Whereas in like, let's say you're talking about a youth hockey tournament and you're just in a quarterfinal game. It's maybe not necessarily like that where dumping it in and, and, and wearing the other team down and, and being physical is maybe not as important as in a five or seven game series in, in pro hockey. Yep. And so it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of gamesmanship and, and St. Louis blues. I mean, they did it to perfection last year. I mean, who wants to go retrieve a puck in game six when you've been hit <laughs> for, constantly for five games i mean it's uh it's mental warfare it's physical warfare and it's just an interesting part of the game yeah totally i love what you said there too for like the people listening that <clears throat> maybe didn't play uh, there is a big difference between a one game playoff and like youth hockey a three game playoff a five game playoff a seven game playoff like knowing when you maybe should not panic in a negative way but like seven game series you lose the first game like okay you don't panic obviously but three game series you lose the first game you don't need to panic but you need to be like okay well we got to win the next one or else it's over you know so like learning those things and then obviously a one game series is way different if you can jump out ahead early in the game that's gonna help you you know way more than jumping out ahead in game one of a seven game series no but you know that's not really factor in in the other games so a lot of different things you got to take into account there and, and and assess all of the different factors as fast as you can yeah yeah and uh, i and that's the one thing i love about series i think there's a little bit of a hatred that i think we're missing in the game today just the the 
I think Spit and Chiglets, they talk about a tummy sticks where everybody kind of knows each other nowadays and, and they're kind of friends and whatever. But a, a series in, in playoffs especially, it, it brings out a little bit of hatred. And I think that hatred is one of the most entertaining things about hockey that you can watch. And I miss that part of the game. I don't think you see it as much now as even maybe when we played, but especially before in like the nineties and eighties and seventies and, and old school hockey. It, I think just think that that makes the game so much more entertaining, so much more fun to watch. I mean, you look at like a Matthew Kachuk and what he's doing right now. You look at a Brennan Gallagher, you look at a Brad Marchand. I mean, you can argue that they're playing the game on a fine, you know, a fine line of dirty versus not dirty. <laughs> um, but those, they're winners. And we need more of those players in the game today, especially in playoffs, because, I mean, players play their entire lives to win that Stanley Cup. Players play their entire lives to, to reach that ultimate pinnacle. And that's why we play, because we want to win championships. And uh, I, I just, I love that part of the game. And I wish we seen more of it today. Yeah, 100%. And it is it is hard, though, too, because I think multiple factors that people don't think about. <clears throat> like, one, nobody wants to actually end anyone's career. And guys now are definitely – guys are making good money. And they're aware now that, like, if you get hurt, your career's over. You're, you might have to work again. You might have to work. <laughs> You know, and I think that like guys are way more aware and care more now about that stuff to where I don't think anyone wants to hurt anyone anymore. Back when like I, I think it stopped like as we were coming into like playing pro probably a couple of years in like just going out there thinking like if, if I hit someone, I want to hurt them, not like actually hurt them, you know, but I was like, I want to hit someone so hard if I'm going to hit them. And then you got guys like fighting each other that are way like on up kill somebody you know and i i think that with all of the head injury stuff now and people being like more woke to that i think that that has played a factor and then guys just thinking about career longevity has played a factor to where i think that that's why the league and all sports i think has to get a little bit softer i think it's players thinking about their longevity and like hey if i don't hit a guy absolutely truck him with his head down maybe somebody won't truck me with my head down you know what i mean i do but do you think that that's good for the game well i think it's good for the humans playing the game but i don't think it's good i think fans want to see the other stuff but from a player perspective and like i never talked to guys that I was playing against. I hated that stuff. Like I loved hating who you're playing against, but I also like understand at the end of my career, like if somebody could have like trucked me and they didn't like, I'd be like, Oh, thanks man. I appreciate that. You know what I mean? So like, I'm not saying I agree with it, I'm not saying I don't agree with it, but somebody who has had a lot of concussions, like I think maybe that's one of the reasons it's kind of gone that way. And I, like, I don't, I understand why it's gone that way. Like for sure. Like I used to try and hit guys in the head when I was younger. I was stupid. I didn't know the concussions weren't a thing. Like if a guy had his head down, I'd, I'd try and put my shoulder into their cage. Like as a young kid, you know, and no one told me not to. And I look back, I'm like, Oh, karma. <laughs> That's why I got all those concussions. Idiot. You know? So like, I, I think that it's an evolution and I, this is like such a deeper topic, but I think just like sports as they need, uh, they need to evolve. I think, 
for it to be safe for me as a parent, if I ever have a kid to want them to play contact sports. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I that's mean, it's just, gotta that, be that's a, line, a much though. deeper topic. It's yeah. Gotta, oh yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, gotta be a line though. Yeah. Because like, I've loved watching the first couple of days of the playoffs, even here right now, because there is that competitiveness and, yeah. and that is something that's a, I think that's a huge difference between the regular season and the playoffs is, is the competitiveness, the competitive nature that the players come to the ice with. And there's not as much of the buddy buddy anymore because you're, it, it, there's more on the line. Like if I lose this game, it's not no. one of 82, it's one of seven. And, and so that's one of the things, I mean, competitiveness is I think the thing that really separates our sport of hockey from the other major four or five sports is is just how the compete level that we have, especially when it comes to playoff time, and and I don't know, I I I love the guys that play on the edge. I played on the edge. I love the guys that play on the edge. I don't love the guys that play on the edge with no respect. You have to have yeah. respect, which I think is something that you're talking about. But the you know the guys that give you a slash on the back of the legs as you're coming up the ice, or the the guys who yap and things like like I love that stuff. I just think it brings love so much it. more entertainment to the game. I think it brings so much more um, passion to the game, and and we need more of that in our game to bring more people 100%. into it. Hundred percent, it's way more fun. It's way more fun playing when you're when you're talking. <laughs> crap it's way more fun when you're you hate the guy across from you i totally agree i don't know about you i played better when i had a little hatred in my game if there was somebody on the other side or if there was like a coach that cut me or whatever i played better or even if like if i got hit in the first shift and somebody pissed me off i would play so much better than if it was just another game Oh, and so I, I would try and find enough. ways almost to get upset in a game and try to find like another player on the team that would almost be like a part of me. I just wanted to, to end that person. I wanted to just beat that person at the end of the day. And uh, I, that's kind of what sports are about. I, it's, it's being lost in the game today, I, but that's that's the beauty of it, I think. Well, it's just teaching competition and like – I love competing. I don't care what it is. I don't care who it's against. I love competing. I want to win at everything I do. Like, I don't care what it, I don't want to lose and I want to win. And then I want to chirp you for losing <laughs> like in a fun way, in a fun way. But did you, like, well, did I'm, you, I'm a, did you like, was there ever a part of you that got more into a game? If you were a little bit pissed off a hundred percent. But like what I was going to say was with that, if I got pissed off in the game, there was a fine line. Like if I got pissed off, like at up to like a nine, I was money. But if I went past 10, I'd completely lose focus. And I would just be like, I just want to like slash your throat. <laughs> like I would just be out of control and breaking sticks. Like I'd be, yeah, I, I would start to lose it, especially later in my career. Uh, cause I just didn't like want to tolerate that stuff anymore. But like what you said, like the manufacturing it, like I loved playing against like a coach who like, 
you know, wanted to sign me and tried to like give me a crappy offer that happened in, in Austria a couple times. And every time we played against those teams, I'd be so happy. And I always scored multi goal games against those coaches. And I would just like look at the bench after I'd score and be like, yeah, like you want to give me that crappy offer. This is what you get. <laughs> I hear you. So I got a funny story about that. So, um, my last year junior, you remember the Viking cup? Yeah, so it's called the World Junior A Challenge right now, but when we were playing, it was the Viking Cup where the USHL would take their top players to go and play in this tournament against Canada and Russia and a bunch of different people. And we've talked about this on the pod. One of my biggest dreams was to represent the U.S. and and playing with the Team USA on our crest, and and I had never done that up to that point. Still haven't done it. but <laughs> um, So I remember we were playing a game, and it was funny. I was talking to my parents about this this weekend as they were up here. And, and it was one of the most, like, the, one of the toughest things I've ever had to go through as a player. So P.K. O'Hanley, who is still the head coach of the Waterloo Blackhawks, was the head coach at the time of the team going up to play for that tournament. And I'm like, it was about two weeks before they were choosing the team. And I was like, I have to have a good game. I really want to make this team. And so we're playing against Waterloo and I end up getting two goals and one assist in that game. And I scored the overtime winner, which was like a highlight reel type goal. And I'm like, there's no way, there's no way they're dogging me. I'm going to make this team. <laughs> and I was so pumped because I was so ready to make that team. And that like, we've, we've talked about a different time where I was an alternate to play for team USA. And they told me that I wasn't big enough to play for the team. So I was going to be an alternate. So I didn't end up making it and whatever. So I'm like, there's no way they're dogging me this time. So uh, one of the players on my team that lived with me, a guy named Jeff Dunn, who you know, so Dunner gets a phone call a couple weeks later making the team. And so I sat in my room, and this was before the cell phone days. This was like when dial-up was going on. I sat in my room waiting at the phone for the next three hours waiting for that phone call from P.K. O'Hanley, thinking there's no way they're going to dog me. I was one of the leading scorers in the league. I just had one of my best games of the year, scored the overtime winner, all this kind of stuff. I sat by my phone and just never got that call and didn't make the team. And it was one of the most heartbreaking things that I've ever had to go through. I don't know if I've actually brought it up with PK. He's an amazing coach. Like, there's nothing against PK. He's done an amazing job in Waterloo. And now that I know the process of how they choose those teams, he's not really the one picking the teams. It's more USA hockey people that do it. Um, but either way, every time we played Waterloo later on in that year, I, I think I probably played my best hockey ever. Because I just That's wanted awesome. to stick it to PK so bad. Stick it to the man, Neosis. Um, and uh, I just, man, you just got to use those. Got to find the game within the game. Michael Jordan said it. I yeah. watched that. I just, I just finished that. Uh, what is it? Whatever it was. What was that? The show last that dance. Yeah. The last. Like he was always doing that. He was a psychopath. He took it to the next level, but. It's also the greatest basketball player that ever lived. So, uh, you know, learn, learn things from people like that. Yeah, yeah. But just finding a way to motivate yourself and getting that extra little just oomph from a competitiveness standpoint, that's when I was at my best is when I was playing on that edge of like halfway psycho but halfway in control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's what playoff hockey is for everybody, right? Yeah. 
Love yeah. it. <laughs> um, so anyways, so another thing I wanted to talk about too, for, I actually want to talk about this from a coaching point of view too, because we do have a lot of coaches that listen to this podcast too. So as a player, I think I would ask you first, as a coach, do you think there was anything you would do differently to prepare your team to play in a playoff game or a playoff series? For me, no, because I was coaching 18s and the next year 16s. And, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I personally don't. It's tough. They're going to go to juniors. They're going to do pre-scouts and stuff like that in juniors where I think it should take place. <clears throat> I don't know how much I believe that stuff should take place in youth hockey, but you do have to learn how to kind of, like, learn them. So uh, our head coach did that a bit but uh for me it was i just kind of told them everything we've talked about today like hey this is playoffs this is what you need to focus on and then you know just making sure they're ready but practice wise that week leading up to it details 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 and the stuff we're doing in practice and then it's up to them to learn and execute i don't i never want to be the coach who's got the controller trying to control them on the ice i want them to play their game and learn yeah, I think that's one of the things, and, and I've been guilty of this as a coach, and I think a lot of coaches have, is that there's a fine line between the pre-scout versus focusing on the things that you do well as a team and the way that you want to play. And in a playoff, especially when it's a playoff series and you're just focusing on one team, um, you can you can really get drowned in the details of the other team and what they're doing. And that's always, uh, and it's a, it's a debate that we always had in our coaches room at, at Cornell is how much information do you give to the players about the other team versus how much do you want to focus on yourselves and the way that you want to play? And I think the best coaches do a really good job at finding that right balance because there's been times as a coach where we've gone too far in either way where you focus so much, especially in a playoff series, when you're just focusing on one team, you focus so much on what the other team does and trying to exploit what they do that you forget about your identity as a team. And then there's also times where you can maybe not focus as much on what the other team is doing when it could be important. And there might be some things that you can exploit for the other team. So I think the best coaches, they can find that balance, but I've always erred on if you want to be the best version of your team, you have to focus on the things that you do. You can give them, and, and you hear coaches all the time at the highest levels talk about their pre-scout conversations are five minutes long. You know, their sheets that they give to their players are not these extensive, detailed things that you have to worry about all the things that the other team are doing. They have it's not an essay. There are these little bullet points that the other team does that maybe you'll be able to exploit, but they, at the end of the day, I think as a coach, you always have to focus on the things that you do well as a team. And when your team is playing to your identity, that is when you're going to be successful. And when you focus so much more on the other team, you really lose that identity piece, which makes your team so successful. Agree. 100% agree. And I think especially in youth hockey, should always be focusing on your team always like yeah you can be like hey you know this is what their power play does so like hey guys how should we kill this not we're gonna kill it this way should we kill it 
you know, and getting their brain sick in that way. And then other than that, it's just, yeah, focusing on what you guys can control. Yeah. And at the higher levels, right, you have your different meetings. You have your power play meeting. You have your yeah. penalty kill meeting. You have your five on five meeting. You have your meeting between the fours and the D and things like that. And and those are important because it's it's necessary to know what the other team is doing and what you can exploit and what they're good at, what they're not good at. But when you drown your team in the details so much, and that was one of the things I think that we talked about with Fersh is that one of the hardest parts as a coach at the highest levels is you have to take 100 clips of watching six games of your opponent and put that into a five-minute meeting of maybe 10 clips. And and as a coach, I can empathize with that because I've I've been there. I've been in those video rooms where you're trying to do that and you're trying to find the the, the top ten clips out of a hundred that you think are important. Um, but at the end of the day, for your team to be successful, they have to play to their own identity. And at playoff time, that's one of the things that's really hard as a coach is not to overcoach, not to. Sometimes working too hard can be a detriment to what you're doing. You know. Have you had coaches that have done that? I mean, you've played playoffs and pro all the time. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. You lose the room pretty fast. As far as like while you're in that meeting, the boys would just be like, "Shut up!" Like, let's we know what to do. You know, like it's just like we don't need all this. But at the same time, like you are listening because the more details you have are better. I'm talking about like the guys who are like way over way too much. They're the coaches also who stand on the bench and yell out what you, for what everyone to do on the ice. It's like, dude, like <laughs> you can, you can't even hear you on the ice. And if you can, like, I'm not, li- no one's listening to what your the directions you're yelling, you know, like that stuff that doesn't, that doesn't work. Like it's not helping anyone learn either, especially in the youth game. Yeah. I encourage all youth coaches in these playoffs for the NHL, like watch the NHL coaches and see how much they don't talk. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You're not playing the game. You're coaching the game. Um, There's not going to learn if you're yelling for them for where to be every time they're on the ice. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the last thing that I want to talk about that I think is really, really important when it comes to playoff hockey is that I am a huge believer, as I think you are, and we've talked about it on this podcast, like the closer your team is, the more opportunity and the better your opportunity is to win in the playoffs. Rate that on a one to 10. That's a hundred percent true. I'll go past 10. I'll go hundred. <laughs> Everything. Everything is about culture and the locker room and the vibe in the locker room and the tightness of the boys or the, or the girls. Like it's all about what's going on in the locker room. Does everyone love each other? Does everyone want to sacrifice for each other? Does everyone hate the coach unanimously together all at the same amount, like Herb Brooks style, which I'm not a fan of, but that has worked, you know? So like there's some, there's gotta be glue in that locker room or else nothing will get accomplished. I don't care how good you are. Yeah. And, and winning in the playoffs, especially in pros, um, when it's a series, you even look at like the St. Louis blues last year. Remember that game against Vegas? when they scored the goal with the hand pass. And yeah. I just remember like that was for me, I felt like that was the turning point of that series because you had Craig Berube being like, well, if we would have played better then it wouldn't have even got to that. And their, their players just kind of came together instead of pointed fingers and stuff. And, and all the things that they went through throughout the season, all the adversity and the resiliency and, and, and coming out on top from all the tough stuff 
I think there was a huge reason and maybe the most important reason why they won the Stanley Cup is because of that. And and so it's just it, it just goes to show you how important it is as a coach to train your players to handle the tough situations and the tough times and how important it is to do team building and and put your players in situations where maybe it's not the easiest of situations, but they have to come together when things aren't going well. 100%. Are you plugging your own team building business right now? I am not, but <laughs> I know. if you're I know interested, shoot me an email, <laughs> DM me for sure. No, I, I, know you're, I know you're not, and dude, I totally agree. 100%. That's where like team bonding nights, whether it's youth hockey and like we've talked about with your team, your CYA team that won nationals. Like I remember thinking how cool it was that all the parents and all the kids hung out together all the time. I was like, we don't do this. Like there's a reason you guys won. You guys had unbelievable glue from the manager, your mom, to the coaches, to the players, to the families. Everyone was always hanging out with each other there. Everyone loved each other. Like it was really cool. And I, as a young kid, noticed that, you know, and it's no secret why you guys want. I mean, it's, it's no secret why any team wins. So it's, uh, it's so true. And, and that, that the way that they shaped their thoughts on that hand pass is the reason they won. Like, yeah, like easily, easily in that situation, everyone could be like, F this, F the refs, and then it's pointing fingers and not thumbs. Everything goes downhill from there. But it was all, we could have been better. It shouldn't even got to that point. We're going to be better. Boom, we've got this. Like, total, uh, insane. Yeah, insane. focusing on the thing that they can control because they let up a goal, I believe, in the last minute of the game to send it to overtime. And then they lost the game in overtime with the hand pass. And Brube was kind of like, well, if we didn't blow it in the last minute, it's on us. And yeah. so coming full circle, I'll, I'll talk about my Cornell days and my freshman year, we won the ECAC championship game. And one of the first things that we talked about was how important it is for your role players to step up as well. Right. And so I remember uh, we went down to Harvard, one nothing ECAC championship game. And then Paul Verderessian, uh, a senior player who accepted a role as a uh, fourth-line left winger penalty killer that year, he scored a shorthanded goal to tie the game. Then we scored a power play goal, like Charlie Cook, who was an All-American, to, to go up 2-1, to one, and we ended up winning the game 3-1. to one. And it just goes to show you, at playoff time, everybody needs to be a contributor. I think that's the biggest lesson of all is that you need all 20 players on your team, even the backup goalie. I mean, you look at um, some of these teams that have won Stanley Cups in the past. Like you look at the Blackhawks a couple years ago um, and, and, uh, and how Scott Darling went in a couple, and won a couple games and then Corey Crawford came in. Uh, I mean, you need everybody to win a championship. And that starts at the youth levels. As coaches, if you can really empower everybody to to know that they have an important role on your team, that's going to instill confidence in them that when they get to the older ages, that they can play any type of role and be a contributor for their team. You know what I mean? 100%. 100%. Totally agree. Nothing better than seeing like a third, fourth line guy 
bury a game winner either. Nothing makes a locker room go more Nothing. crazy than that happening or a six D man. It's the best. Especially one of those people that like are a glue guy in the locker room. You know, yep. like if there's a glue guy and it, it's interesting. So we had Colin Fraser on the podcast. We've had Chris Butler on the podcast. Two guys have, that have won Stanley Cups who weren't necessarily like the most glamorous players on their team. But they talk about that and how important that stuff is, just how everybody is so crucial. And that's why, like in youth hockey. So there's a lot of youth hockey people that listen to this podcast, like find a way to empower everybody and find a way to make sure that every kid thinks that they're important to the success of a team, because not only will that make your team better, but that's also going to make that kid better. And, you know, he's probably not going to be an NHL player or a college hockey player, but he's going to be a professional in something in banking or in teaching or as a lawyer, a doctor or as a fireman, whatever it is. And so empowering everybody to know that they're important to the, the overall goal of what you're trying to accomplish as a team. What, honestly, is there anything more important to that as a youth hockey coach? There is not. <laughs> <laughs> Dramatic effect. I feel like I'm preaching right now. It's weird. Um, but hey, you know what? At, at the end of the day, like that's what playoff hockey is all about. It's about coming together as a team. It's about fighting adversity. It's about battling and going through the tough times, going through the good times and being and, and, and doing it all together. That's what it's all about. That's why playoff hockey is is so, so special. That's why the third, fourth line and the and the bottom pair D in the Stanley Cup playoffs or in the, in the college hockey tournaments or in the junior hockey playoffs, those are the players that always, there's a story, right, that, that gets made about those players. And that's why guys like Jay Beagle end up signing multi-million dollar contracts after they win Stanley Cups because they're glue guys. And, uh, you know, the, the analytics might not say so, but those people are really, really important to the success of a team. And so um, just I love playoff hockey. It, it brings out the best in people. And I can't wait to see, especially in this year where things are just so weird with COVID. Um, I think it's just going to bring that character to the forefront. Absolutely love it. And I totally agree. Totally agree. Nothing more fun. Nothing more fun than having your back on the wall and like you got to fight your way out with with you guys know, like, that you love. Yeah, yeah, with the, with the boys, you know that's uh, there's no better feeling. Yeah, for sure. So, well, we hope we gave you guys uh, a good window into kind of like what the youth, not the youth, what the what the playoff hockey just aura is, and and there's nothing nothing like it, and in the pro hockey NHL playoffs, especially after grinding through 82 games. And then finally you're playing for really something. It's just, there's nothing better to watch. And, and uh, I'm really excited for this year's NHL playoffs. The fact that we're starting it in August is, is a little bit weird, but, but the fact that we get to, to watch hockey during the summer is, is really, really cool. And uh, I hope you guys got something out of, uh, out of this conversation for sure. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm a real, to watch hockey here too and excited to, to see you know 
how it's going to be. Like this has never happened before. So it's, it's pretty exciting actually. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Before we go, I do have to send a little bit of a thank you out to you. You called him out, Jeffrey Lavecchio. You called Paul Stasny out and you said, Hey Stas, Tove's got this fundraiser going on. They're raising money for special needs. I put 500 bucks of my own money into it. And I know you listen to this podcast so you better contribute as well, you multimillionaire you. <laughs> I didn't say that part. But you kind of did. <laughs> and he did. Paul Stasi stepped up. He stepped up big time. And he put his money literally where his mouth is. And uh, I love him for it. You love him for it. He's one of your best friends growing up. And Stas, thank you so much uh, for donating. And we ended up making over $157,000 during covid for a school in our area with special needs. And I know there's a lot of people listening to this podcast episode that contributed to it, people that I've never met but just really believe in what we're doing at the Hockey Think Tank. And I just want to thank you all so much, Staz. Thank you so much for your contribution to to our charity endeavor as well. And uh, just a lot of good hockey people in the hockey world. Unreal, unreal. (laughs) I love that I didn't text him or call him and he heard it on the podcast. Like and he that's still did it. Like he, I told you he listens to every episode, dude. I told you it's, that's awesome. Couldn't I have, have I have oh. Vegas so we can do this too before we go. Let's do our predictions. I have Vegas and Tampa as my Stanley Cup final picks. Who do you got? Honestly, I don't even know. I got to look at the brackets. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. I watch hockey so much. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta look at the brackets. I didn't, I didn't pay close enough attention to the the season this year, anyways. Like to see like who I think's good. I just want anyone I've ever worked with or played with to succeed. So it is funny, right? Like everybody always asks me who my favorite team is now, and I'm like, I don't really have one. I just root for my buddies who are in the playoffs. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, I as to win, I want the guys that I played with that are in Boston to win. I want the guys I've worked with on the blues to win. Like, you know, anyone who's playing anywhere that I've ever worked with, I want them to win. So, you know, it's uh, somebody's going to win that I'll know and I'll be happy for them. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just happy to watch hockey. For sure. I got, I got Vegas and Tampa in my Stanley cup final. So I think those are, are two teams that are going to be hungry that uh, that have been close to getting there, but haven't quite gotten the prize yet. Uh, a lot of and you need everything. They have depth. They have competitiveness. They have goaltending. I think those are two very very fun teams to watch. That would be an incredible Stanley Cup final to watch both those teams be in it. So Staz, we're rooting for you, my man. Thank you so much for donating. Uh, we also need to thank Gel Sticks, our title sponsor, for supporting our podcast. We want to thank Train Heroic, Jeff's training aid app. Uh, we appreciate all your support for what we are doing. Uh, also, before we go, head on over to thehockeythinktank.com slash conferences. We have a virtual back-to-hockey conference, August 19th. It's a three-hour thing, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. 
Jeff is going to talk. I'm going to talk. We're going to have some unbelievable speakers getting kids ready for the hockey season this year. Hopefully there is a hockey season. Um, but a lot of people have signed up already. Um, but uh, limited spots are available. So head over to the website to to get that. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much to all of our listeners. We so appreciate uh, everything that you have brought to this podcast and your support. That's part of the reason why we wanted to go through our top 10 at the beginning of the episode because we get new listeners every week because you guys keep sharing us and providing us feedback and and ratings and all that kind of stuff on on iTunes and wherever you get your podcast today so um we hope you have enjoyed everything that we're doing to try and help spread the positivity in the youth hockey and the pro hockey and the college hockey and the junior hockey and whatever hockey world we really really appreciate it and we hope you have a great week and we can't wait to catch up with you again next week Daddy was mad. Peace.